I confess that I lost my virginity to a stripper at my aunt's bachelorette party. (laughs) This podcast is intended for those 18 and over. If that's not you, please check out scarlatine.com and come back to this podcast when you are of age. Thank you for listening to the Bedpost Confessions podcast. Bedpost Confessions is an Austin-based live storytelling series featuring smart, sexy stories. Between performers, we ask audience members to anonymously submit anything worthy of a confession, which is then read aloud by one of our producers. The performance you're about to hear was recorded on December 19th, 2013. Bedpost Confessions producer Sadie Smythe read a chapter from her book, Open All the Way, Confessions for My Open Marriage. Here is Sadie. I needed a fucking drink. I was supposed to have had a date, and the guy that showed up was not who he represented himself to be. He was somebody completely different. So my neighbor and very good friend Greg and I went to the bar as soon as this dude, dickhead Peter, peeled off in his red Subaru. I was still shaking from the previous event, so I ordered myself a double vodka tonic with lime. I slammed that down and promptly ordered another. It went down easily. It took only a couple of minutes for me to submit to the vodka's tranquilizing effects. I could practically feel the tension as it slid off my psyche and onto the barroom floor beneath me. Peter was quickly becoming a distant memory. And by the time I looked up and noticed a cute guy who was noticing me, Peter had been reduced to a tiny blip on my fuckboy radar. (laughs) The guy who was watching me was cute. He was tall and lanky with a military buzz cut, gorgeous blue eyes and perfectly crooked teeth. I was instantly attracted to him. Either that or I was drunk and in desperate need of a new distraction. (laughs) I was likely a little bit of both. I stood and watched him as he leaned against the wall. Between his large hands rested a pool cue, the butt of it perched solidly on the floor. His fingers draped casually along the slim shaft, obscenely sexy placement to be sure. And he was wearing a short sleeve shirt out of which A couple of large, colorful tattoos peeked out, which called full attention to his beautiful biceps. I have a thing for arms. He was a military guy, no doubt. Probably a Coast Guard, because I I knew that lots of Coasties hung out there at that bar. Um, He was at least 10 years younger than me, which, of course, made the idea of him all the more intriguing. (laughs) I wondered what he was thinking as he stood peering over towards me, because by then, he had noticed me noticing him. So I sauntered over to him and and made a decidedly snappy comment about the t-shirt he was wearing. I'm sure I was being sexy. Okay, I was trying to be sexy. I must have succeeded at least somewhat, but because he responded in a manner that could be construed as flirtatious. And after a few minutes of idle chatter, we settled into a decent conversation about where he had just moved from, the South. Perfect. We were two Southerners in Northern California, so we would have a little something to talk about. So we chatted for a while, and I learned that he was 26 and single. I think I was probably about 38 or 39 at that time. Uh, it, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, 
<laughs> he was indeed in the Coast Guard, and he spoke a little about his life growing up in Alabama. His southern accent was sexy. I was in California at the time, so there was none of this, like, this southern accent going on. So it was nice. I felt like I was at home. Uh, and he, I, so I drank in the lilt of his voice as I sucked down vodka tonics. He spoke of how he came to join the Coast Guard and live in the little town of Alameda in the San Francisco Bay, which is where we were. We talked, we smoked cigarettes, and got drunk. And when the bar closed, we exchanged phone numbers and parted ways. Both of us walked down the same street, but with different groups of people and in opposite directions. But because my husband at the time, whose name is Scott, um, had been out of town with our daughter, I kind of knew that as soon as I got back to my apartment where I would be all by myself, I would call him. Because alone plus buzzed plus horny equals drunk dialing. And indeed, I did. And he answered after the first fucking ring. <laughs> Do you want to come over? Yeah. As I hung up the phone, it occurred to me that I was just to break, about to break one of my rules of my open relationship. It was rule number 12. No hosting at our home without permission. Fuck. It was 2 o'clock in the morning, and I didn't have permission for some random coasty I had just met in a bar to come over and bang me in the bed that I shared with my husband. So I called Scott, and I left him a message <laughs> explaining the scenario. And as I did, I will be honest, I secretly hoped he wouldn't get it until the next morning, and that when he did, he wouldn't be mad at me. After all, I rationalized Scott wasn't available and there wasn't anything in the rules about how to proceed if permission couldn't be procured. <laughs> I was just drunk enough that I was willing, and horny enough, let, let that be noted, uh, that I was willing to risk pissing off my husband before I roll around in the bed with this cute guy that I had just met. Yeah. That's where my head was. Drunk plus horny equals drunken rationalizations for getting laid. So as I was leaving the message, I'm like, hey, baby, it's two. I met this guy at the bar tonight, and I'm, well, um, hey, he's on his way over here. We're going to just hang out. We might have sex. So I'm not totally sure. And the doorbell rang. Marshall was there. I quickly humped the phone and answered the door. Fuck, he was cute. <clears throat> In my drunken haze, I was sure that he thought that I was too. Drunk plus horny equals illogical egomania. <laughs> The very moment that Marshall walked into my apartment, my phone rang, and it was Scott calling me back. I answered and immediately began to tell him about my night, to tell him about Peter and his douchiness and how I ended up at the bar and met this guy, Marshall. Um, and as I was talking to him, I, I'm like ushering Marshall through the apartment and onto the back patio where he sat down, lit up a cigarette. I grabbed a couple of bottles of beer from the fridge, and I continued talking to my husband on the phone as I'm bringing them outside. I sat down continuing my conversation with my husband. I'm sitting across the table from Marshall. <clears throat> he looked around uncomfortably, I'm sure, like likely wondering what the fuck he had gotten himself into. So when I got to the little part about Marshall being there with me in the apartment, sitting right in front of me, in fact, Scott got kind of angry. Of course he did. He hadn't listened to my message yet, so this was the first he'd heard of the story. The idea of another man 
a stranger, no less, being in his house, drinking his beer, and planning on fucking his wife, eh, didn't really sit with him very well. And I got it. I mean, fuck, yeah, I totally got it. I understood his position. And I also knew that if the tables were turned, that he might have found himself in an awkwardly similar place. So I excused myself from the table, and I left Marshall sitting on the patio alone, drunk and probably horny, and went inside where he couldn't hear me further rationalize with my husband. So it took more than a few minutes to make my case, as you would expect. But I did, and essentially it boiled down to this. So, Scott, do you think that one day I will be out of town and you will meet a chick at a bar and want to bring her home? Right? Do you think that if you were in that position that I would grant you permission for you to host her if you didn't do so for me tonight? (laughs) Yeah, I did that. (laughs) And he conceded. And I hung... And, in fact, we did get into that place later. And it was like, hey, remember? Oh, yeah, okay. Um, And after I hung up the phone, Marshall and I adjourned to the bedroom where we had a killer fuck fest for two solid hours. Won't go into that because that's kind of a longer story, but there's a little bit more here to tell you. No worries. We'll get there. One of the unwritten rules that Scott and I had with regards to open marriage, which at this point was actually in its infancy. It had not been very long that we'd been open. So we were really pushing things and um but we did have a lot of rules but one of the rules was no fucking around in our bed because it's meant for just the two of us but obviously uh that went out the window as soon as we had uh well before actually marshall because we had had a threesome together with a girl named june so it went out the window then and so i was just pushing a little further with marshall but um so eventually we banished that rule um, and fucking Marshall and it actually did set the precedence for fucking other people in our bed and while it did feel strange at first eventually we were able to dump our um, collectively preconceived notions as to why we needed to believe that our bed was meant for just the two of us in the first place I'm pretty sure the manufacturers of our bed did not certify it with a stamp that said this bed is to be fucked in by only Sadie and Scott But it turns out that the problem we had with the concept of fucking other people in the bed we shared had really more to do with uh, like a social moray than any other value that we held in high regard. And this custom was attached to a construct that we were actually going against. So because being married um, typically means monogamy, this means, theoretically anyway, that the only two people who are fucking in the bed are the owner's of the bed themselves. But we weren't monogamous any longer, so why were we still holding on to the idea that the bed was some sacred sentimental station that was just meant for the two of us? I think uh, what muddied our minds when we considered the other having sex in our bed with somebody else was, was that demoralizing aspect of it, which is kind of attached to other people's perceptions of the situation and it's a common theme in stories of cheaters who fuck around in their own homes and they bring their lovers to their own beds without the knowledge of their partners Um, this becomes the ultimate betrayal the defiling of the marital bed so to speak and as if cheating wasn't enough they did so in the bed that they share with their partner it's a malediction where the bed becomes representative of that betrayal It's the ultimate symbol of wrongdoings and never to be forgiven, right? But we weren't cheating. So if we took betrayal out of the equation and took the emotion that's attached to it, 
because of the symbols of which we weren't attached to ourselves, it just became simply a bed. Nothing more and nothing less. So it was 5 a.m. by the time Marshall left, and we were exhausted and sated. I liked him a lot, in fact. And he liked me, too, And because and as he left, he said, I'd really like to see you again. So I took that as face, at face value. And after a few days passed, I called him to see if he wanted to get together again. Oh, hi, Sadie. I've been meaning to call you. Yeah, see, the whole thing about you being married and everything, yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> I don't think I can handle it. It's just too much for me. You're really cool and all, but I can't see you again. Well, fuck. Okay. I can't say that I wasn't pissed. Of course I was pissed. I was beginning to understand that my being married didn't get in the way of me getting good and fucked, but it certainly impeded anything beyond that. And I liked Marshall, Marshall, which was why I was angry. And not only did we have some really amazing, albeit drunken, sex, we connected on a personal level. And I had been looking forward to getting to know him better, but as I was inclined to do, I easily just packed up my anger at my missed opportunity with Marshall, and I packed it away under lock and key in a place inside my psyche marked fucked and forgotten, and promptly dismissed him. Two months later, I ran into Marshall at the same bar where we had met. He caught my eye from the other end of the bar while I was ordering my drink. I changed my drink order from a single to a double. <laughs> I nodded casually and turned my back to him. And a few minutes later, he came up right behind me as I was gulping down my drink, and he whispered in my ear, Damn, you look good. <laughs> Fuck! An hour later, I left with him. We ended up at his apartment, both naked and horny, and yet not quite as drunk as we were the first time. And I was excited and wholly committed to having fun with him, regardless of what had happened before. But it seemed that I was also full of an er unnerving supply of pent-up aggression <laughs> towards Marshall. <laughs> yeah. I really, I couldn't have even known it was there, but suddenly it asserted itself while I was on top of him, riding his cock and writhing with my own self-serving pleasure. It suddenly occurred to me that the perfect way to increase the sensations that were satisfyingly manifesting in my pulsating pussy, I would give him a good slap on the face. <laughs> and so, I did. Fingers splayed, my open hand reached for the ceiling. And before Marshall could even take notice of its position or my intention, I brought it down forcefully across his face. Whack! His head stayed cocked over to one side just momentarily as his eyes widened and a smile crept across his face. <laughs> he turned back to look at me. But before he was able to, even, evil, even able to totally adjust to what had occurred, I hit him again, this time backhanded across the other side of his face. Thwack! And I repeated it. Whack! Thwack! <laughs> his head just moved back and forth with each hit as he took the cracks without even attempting to stop me. If he was enjoying it, I did not know, but I sure as fuck was. 
After three or four more of these hits, I stopped and I, and I rubbed his face. I didn't even know that I was supposed to do that. Like, the aftercare, I had no idea. It just felt right. I'm just like, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it was a conciliatory gesture marked by our collective nervous giggles, which created an intimacy neither one of us had expected. We finished our little fuck fest shortly after, and I left. Certain I would not see or hear from him again, because I wasn't going to call him. And I didn't think he'd call me, and he didn't. But several months later, Scott found himself at that bar where I had met Marshall. Scott had gone out with Greg, who, if you will remember, was with me the first time I met him. So Greg knew who he was. He's like, hey, that's the coastie that Sadie went home with. And, of course, Scott knew the story, because I told him the story. Um, so he pointed him out, and he decided uh, that it might be kind of fun to, to fuck with Scott a little bit. <laughs> so we went over to him, and he's like, hey, man, I'm Scott. Just thought I'd tell you that Sadie says hi. <laughs> oh, yeah, really? You know Sadie? Scott's like, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, I know her really, really well. <laughs> oh, yeah? How do you... Oh, dude. <laughs> Are you her husband? <laughs> Are you her husband? Um, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I am. I am, he said. So, how's your face feeling these days? <laughs> Did you have any bruising after Sadie got a hold of you? <laughs> so, Scott said that Marshall's face turned beet red. He stood there and he just said nothing. He just nodded and kind of looked at the floor. And Scott just smiled and walked away. And then he pulled out his phone and texted me about what had just happened. So I texted Marshall, and I just said, so is your face as red tonight after encountering my husband as it was the night I slapped the fuck out of you? <laughs> and he just wrote back, yes. And I'm sure it was. The end. Sadie Smythe is the author of the memoir, Open All the Way, Confessions for My Open Marriage, that was recently published as an audiobook by Red Planet and can be found on Amazon.com. Sadie is an advocate for sexual freedom and a single mother of a teenage daughter. She holds a degree in psychology, speaks on the subject of sober sex, and consults with couples in open relationships. She's a fierce advocate for people designing relationships that are right for them, irrespective of what others' expectations are. More at that's what Sadie said.com. Bedpost Confessions is produced by myself, Mia Martina of the I Want Your Sex podcast at MiaOnTop.com, Sadie Smythe of That's What Sadie said.com, and Julie Gillis of JulieGillis.com. Podcast audio production by Ian Danskin at Anyone2Studios.com. You can find links to all of our websites and more information about Bedpost Confessions at BedpostConfessions.com. You can also confess with us at Bedpost Confessions on Facebook and Bedpost Confess on Twitter, where we tweet audience confessions. Chime in and add yours. Until next time, we'll leave you with a few other confessions from the audience. All right, I confess. As I watched you cook, the waistband of your boxers peeking above your shorts, 
I wanted to stand behind you and kiss your neck. I wanted to fuck you on the counter before the other guests arrived. Yeah. I confess, my long-term college boyfriend dumped me because I wasn't a virgin. Gasp. I got over him by sleeping with three guys in 48 hours. (laughs) Applause for that. 